Hello, and welcome to Conversations in Depth, a service of QRCA Views Magazine. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today it's my pleasure to introduce you to Laura Nozika, who's going to talk to us about how and why she started her podcast, Desperate for a Diagnosis. Before I do, though, I just wanted to share why we were so eager to cover podcasting on a podcast. And I promise you, it's not just to be meta. It's actually an interesting area uh, of interest for me. I started my own podcast back in 2011. I can't believe it's been that long since I started Unforking a Story. But lo and behold, it has. I haven't gotten any older, though. And uh, that was around the time when I was just breaking out of uh, working for an agency and going out on my own as an independent moderator for the first time anyway. And I thought it would be a great way, having a podcast would be a great way to showcase, 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 not showcase, showcase my moderating skills to prospective clients. They always seem to want to tape. They always used to say, and maybe some of you remember this. I'm sure some of you remember this. Hey, can I see a tape of your work? I mean, how many VHS tapes do you have in your basement of old work? I still have a bunch in a box and my wife keeps saying, hey, Mike, do you want all these tapes? Now, look, I don't have anything to play them on anymore, but yeah, I want those tapes. You never know. I mean, those are collector's items. They might wind up in the Mike Carlin Museum someday. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, we did get tapes back in those days. And it's funny. I mean, DVDs were a thing in 2011, but um, I digress. Um, we had tapes and, it, you know, you just can't give a tape of of the work you're doing from one client to another. I don't know what why clients would even think that was something that that would be even remotely acceptable because I know my Pepsi client wouldn't want my Unilever client to see what I was doing for them. So I had this podcast. I started this podcast and I would say, hey, want to hear an example of me interviewing somebody? Listen to this episode. And it worked. It worked out pretty well for me. I was able to uh, reduce my client's concerns because that's what it's all about. It's all about reducing their fear that they're making a bad decision by going with you. And, and the podcast served its purpose well. And then it didn't serve its purpose well at all because I didn't need to do that anymore. I didn't need to show examples of my work. I had a reputation. You know, I had positive word of mouth, as they say in the biz. Um, so I, I needed to pivot the podcast. That's when I started to interview authors because that's another passion area of mine is, is writing. So um, Uncorking a Story is now uh, still appropriately named. Um, to uh, feature conversations with, with best-selling authors. But I wanted to find somebody in our industry who had a similar path to mine and, and pick her brain a little bit on her journey into podcasting. Cause I'm fascinated by this. I, I, you know, maybe you're the same as me. I don't know. You might think to yourself, gosh, if I didn't moderate anymore, what could I do? How could I use these skills? You know, of course you could facilitate meetings, uh, brainstorming sessions, things like that. But I still love interviewing people. So uh, podcasting for me, hey, look, if I could make a living podcasting, I would. But um, I can't just yet. Someday, someday I think that'll happen. But I wanted to talk to another moderator who felt the same way as me, dig into her journey, how she started, all that good stuff. So we could teach you, fine members of the QRCA, who may want to start your own podcast, uh, what you're about to get into. So uh, without any further ado, let's talk to Laura Nozika. Laura Nozika is a moderator from Chicago who has a long career in healthcare, which drives her passion to elevate the healthcare experience. 
Out of Laura's own experience of spinning through the healthcare revolving door, desperately trying to find a diagnosis for symptoms that made no sense to most doctors or were simply dismissed, she created the Desperate for a Diagnosis podcast. But that's not the full story, and we're going to get that from her momentarily. Laura is a market researcher and moderator focusing on helping healthcare organizations and pharmaceutical companies better understand their patient perspective. Welcome to Conversations in Depth, Laura Nozika. Well, thank you, Mr. Carlin. That is probably the most creative introduction that I've ever had. So thank you for that. That that was lovely. Nice to see you. Well, I'm going to say that it's nice to see you. And I'm going to say the cliched thing, which is, hey, you said Mr. Carlin. I got to look around and see if my dad's here. Hey, yo, hey, hey. Did I do a good job sounding like I was remotely from Chicago? That was more of a New York accent, a, I think. A little bit. Well, there's a little a little overlap there. And over here, you're either from the north side or the south side. So uh, over by there. So, so You're over by there. It's close. It's close. Yeah. It's close. Well, I mean, we could talk pleasantries all day, Laura, but I'm curious. Where does your journey as a podcaster begin? Well, actually, I need to blame it all on you, Michael. Oh, well, I will take none of this credit or none of this blame. You are. Um, Let me rephrase that. I will take all the credit, but none of the blame. You are my podcaster mentor. Did you know that? Well, I'm learning something new every day, and I just learned that. But but tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me how great I am. How great you are. Well, talk about talking pleasantries all day long, Michael. We can do that. But it's up to you if you want me to boost your ego or uh, if you want me to uh, answer your question, Mr. Moderator Man, you tell me. (laughs) Well, as a good moderator, I'll make this less about me, even though I want to, and make it more about you. So let's start with your journey, Laura. Well, and that's exactly what uh, I set out to do with, with the podcast is to not make it about me, but about patience. Um, as you said, I am a uh, moderator for a living and uh, mainly in healthcare. And so I have interviewed, I don't even know how many hundreds anymore, patients and physicians, but it's the patient stories that really touched me. And oftentimes I don't always get to ask the questions that I would like to ask and things that I'm really curious about. And and those things that I really want to dig into. And so I thought I just have to produce my own podcast so I can hear the stories and ask the questions that that I want to ask, because it's certainly not uh, unusual for me to hear from patients talking about how their symptoms were dismissed by physicians and how doctors might have said, oh, it's all in your head, your tests are inconclusive, but still these patients just feel horrible. And took them a really long time to get a a diagnosis and some are even still looking. And so I wanted to dive into that more, assuming that uh, there's more than one person out there that needs a question answered and maybe podcast guests could, could help other folks. So that's why I started the podcast. Yeah, I get it. And, you know, I think moderators, you know, most of us anyway, are highly empathetic individuals. You know, meaning like when we're talking to people, like we can't help but make connections with other people. And especially in healthcare, you're hearing these these stories and, and oftentimes, you know, they're they're very sad. And and it's like the the empath in us wants to jump in and like give these people a hug sometimes, I think. It's and we just wanna wanna let them know that they're being heard. Of course, if we go get too touchy feely, 
you know, those people in, in the back room or the virtual back room are going to be like, hey, can, can you get to the, the next section of the discussion guide? And, you know, maybe not not, you know, have the therapy session that you're you're going down yeah. in the in the room. So and so it sounds like, you know, part of desperate for a diagnosis, part of the genesis of it is not just to indulge that within you, though, to give yourself a, a, an ability to to make this connection with other people, but to really have it serve as a tool for other patients who might be going through this so so they don't feel so alone. Did, do I understand that correctly? You you got it. You got it, uh, Mike. Yeah, because I'm always curi more curious about these people than I'm given time for in an interview. And certainly, as as you know, we have objectives that we need to fill. There's a reason that this market research is being conducted. But I wanted to go beyond the market research and those objectives to allow patients to really tell their stories. And they want to tell their stories and they want to help. They want to help other people find treatments and diagnosis and just let other people patients know that they're not the only ones who are having this uh, difficulty in this journey, as I refer to as the healthcare revolving door for, for a lot of people. And so that curiosity that we moderators tend to have, be it healthcare or ice cream products or cable or financial services, whatever it might be, we still are always looking looking for more. So I wanted to, to give an opportunity to uh, patients to tell their story, help others, but it's also certainly is not a one-sided podcast from the patient perspective. I certainly have had opportunity to interview physicians as well, and uh, that'll be the goal for, for 2024 to, to have some other healthcare professionals on to talk about their perspectives. As I like to say, I like to cover off both sides of the bedside. Oh, that sounds nice. Both sides of the bedside. Um, and it sounds like you might have a nice bedside manner. Laura, I'm just going to point that out. I do try. I do try. But that's uh, that's what we moderators do to make sure that we make people comfortable right off the bat and build rapport in a really short amount of time. And so there's there are some patients that have really stuck with me from a moderator standpoint, but certainly through through a pot through the podcast that I started it back in in May and these stories have really stuck with me. And there have been patients that I've actually thought about months after I had interviewed them because their stories were so powerful and unfortunately sad. Um, and it's sometimes it's hard to, to shake that off, but some of them really, really stick with me. So you mentioned starting the podcast back in May. Is that when you first had the idea for the podcast or what's, you know, what's the lead up time getting to May? When in other words, when did you first have this idea, hey, I want to start a podcast, to when did you actually launch? Well, since you're my podcast Yoda, Mike, I think you know that uh, <laughs> you and I talked about this, uh, I think, back in the fall uh, of last year of 2022. And I had also run the idea by some other research colleagues, and uh, many of them thought that that there was certainly a, a place for this type of podcast to to further further the research, if you will, but really just to further my own curiosity about this patient journey because healthcare in this country really is is a problem, and patients do have a hard time navigating and getting what they need, and it's it's incredibly 
frustrating. So I did want to bring home that this that you're whoever you are, you're not the only one who's experiencing uh, this type of, of journey. Now, you know, I, I think about like all of all the moderators I know, um, I know a couple, you know, one or two. And you know, we all have we all have this like similar skill set, right? Where we're really good at talking to people. And it seems like, you know, getting into podcasting is is a natural extension of what it is we do for a living to make money, feed our families and, you know, afford, you know, whatever lifestyles it is we have. Um, and so so like this, there's a there's a big skill overlap, though. And I'm, I'm imagining also that there are some other people listening to this who might say to themselves, hey, I could do that. You know, it's like the same people who say, hey, I can write a book. Uh, I know how to write. I can put words together. Um, so I'm curious, what challenges did you face? And this would be some edification, you know, for for those sort of aspiring QRCA podcasters out there. Um, what what are some lessons you learned while starting your show um, that you could share with uh, the fine people who are listening to this conversation right now? Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly doesn't come without challenges. And I think once I started getting into it, I did question several times. Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do this from the standpoint of everyone thinks that you can just get a microphone, plug it in and you're ready to go. And I can certainly say that all microphones don't always work either as as we did our tech check here today. Um, and so it, it, it really being researcher, I did, a, I did a lot of research. I probably over-researched and probably overthought the whole thing. And at, and at some point in time, I just said, just, you just got to go and build it while you fly. So it's, you'll never, it'll never be a hundred percent fully baked. It has evolved even since May, but certainly from learning what equipment, what platform to use, uh, trying to understand the the cost behind all of it. So there's the cost of the equipment. There's the cost of all these platforms. And it's not just, say, whether you decide to use Zoom or Squadcast or Riverside or any of those other ones. I did a lot of research into that. There's Then there's the editing. And so then that's, I think, where people get really challenged by, I've got all these recordings. Now what do I do with and so that was a whole nother learning curve of two in the morning nights trying to get it right and figure it out. And some things had to be re-recorded. And how do you record an intro and an outro? And then how do you mash all that together? And how do you produce the video versus the audio? And it, it, was, it really was a high learning curve. And I'm still learning. And it's not perfect. And like I said, it's it's evolving. And, and even down to things like podcast cover artwork and how to get it on all of the on all the platforms. So and I don't even know on the lingo, but I just I just did it because it was either either, you know, shut it down completely or just go. So I just decided to just go. And then, of course, there's trying to find people to be guests on on the podcast so that there's that whole other level of of effort and production i mean so it's it's not in other words it's not just a plug and play thing it's not like you're gonna get a you know go to the store go to best buy get a get a usb microphone and 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 then just plug it in and then start interviewing people there's a lot to consider there's pre-production there's production there's post-production i think what's going to scare most people, honestly, is 
post-production. Um, you know, that notion of, Hey, you know, I've got, you know, I've, I've got, I've got these interviews recorded now. Um, how do I do that intro? How do I do that outro? Uh-huh. You know, do I, do I even plan for commercial breaks? If I want to monetize this somehow commercially do, you know, what happens when the audio levels between my guest and myself are different? I mean, there's nothing more annoying than listening to a podcast where you can hear the host really clearly, but the guest seems like they're, you know, a mile away. Right. And then, you know, Especially if you're like if you're like me and you listen to your podcast when you're running, it's like or or you're exercising or in your car, or you're constantly fiddling with the volume to try and hear what's being said. So there is a lot to consider when putting together a podcast, especially if you want to attract a sizable audience to make your show worth it. And by worth it, I mean to make sure that you're getting the exposure to the people you want to get the exposure to, as well as building that audience. So again, if you do want to monetize it someday, you've got to do that with, you know, a sizable number of people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not just, you know, there was a lot. In, in other words, there's a lot of learning by doing. That, that there is. And there should be zero expectation to make any, a penny. You'll be spending pennies and hundreds of dollars initially. Uh, I hate to say it, depending on what kind of equipment you get what platforms you subscribe to, everything's an app and a monthly subscription or annual subscription, et cetera. And so so there is certainly some level of, of commitment to it all. At this point, I have no expectations, again, of monetizing anything. It's really a matter of getting the stories out there and certainly having potential clients see Laura in action. And because that, you know, those interviews are, are, are owned by the the client. Uh, I don't own those. And so those certainly aren't opportunities for me to show my skill and uh, my style, et cetera. So it's certainly secondary to, to getting out the story, but there's, there's, again, there's no expectation about making money even even my mother will say you know so you're gonna make money at this <laughs> and I said no mom this is uh really more of a it, it's it can be an expensive hobby if if that's how you look at it but I re- this for me is is more of a calling and kind of a passion project and and wherever it goes it it goes I I don't put a ton of pressure on myself but I do have a goal to to produce and and push out a, a podcast um once a week, there have been a little, a few lulls just because I got really busy with work. Thanks, thank goodness. But I got really busy with work and, and some personal things. And sometimes I can't get one out a week. And uh, of course, you need to have that charm of, of finding guests and, and, and mining for guests that also fill the mission of, of your podcast. So, so there, there's that as well. So there are a lot of components to putting it all together in that one hour, that 50 minutes or however long it's going to be, even if it's 20 minutes. Um, so, and there's, there's so many other aspects to producing the show and different angles, which actually I, I enjoy doing. So I'm, I'm still willing to keep pushing and, and exploring these other aspects of, of podcasting. So I, I do want to just go back to a few things you said. And, and I think one, one of the things you said was really important, which is, hey, you know, don't necessarily go into this thinking you're going to make a ton of money doing it. Totally. And I, I tell the same thing to authors, right? Yeah. Don't, don't write a book thinking you're going to get rich because that just will not happen. That is like 
you know, one out of a million authors are going to like really make a decent living by by writing books for a living. Most of us cannot afford our lives and lifestyles just by by writing books. Mm -hmm. Same thing I think is true for podcasters. So don't go into it thinking, okay, this is going to help me replace my moderating income right. because that's, you know, that's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I don't want to bring anyone down here, but but just to have it as a passion project and to and to do it for, you know, to, to follow your own interest, to help other people, I think is is an is a valiant um and, and sort of selfless way to think about it. It's it's almost a way of giving back to other people. And I think that's that's reason enough to do a show like the show you do. But I do want to challenge you on something because I know the first video you put out, and I know you posted about your first episode on LinkedIn. You put it up on YouTube. You actually did wind up getting some good numbers on your very first episode. And I know it was sort of a, a very, you know, it was a very emotional episode. It was somebody that we both know in the market research industry. Yep. Oh, I think we met at a, a Quirks conference, Quirks. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quirks in Chicago. But I mean, tell me, can you just share like what, what like that first episode did numbers wise? Yeah. So um, just from a YouTube perspective, I think that first episode, I think at this point, again, that was in May, I think there's about 1,200 views on on that one. And it just, it it blew me, it blew me away. Now, that, I don't know if that was beginner's luck or what, but that, and that's just the thing, not all of them will reap the same amount of interest or views or downloads or listen, listens, et cetera. And that's a whole other thing too. There's this whole level of analytics that's available and you have to, you can either take it super seriously or take it with a grain of salt, whatever, but just, just the fact that it, it got so much traction and, and certainly the, the topic was yes, very emotional. And uh, my first guest is, is highly highly well known and and loved in the in the market research uh arena and so you know that that certainly worked to my advantage but it was such an important story that and because i i felt what what he had to say and was so passionate about it because it was in reference to his son in a really a life or death situation that he was in and i wanted to help him get that story out. And so that just was a catalyst to, to keep going to think, well, who else can I help? What's the next thing? And so it depends on what really drives you. So for me, it's, it was, okay, what else is out there? You know, who else has a story? Who else has advice to, to give to, to other people who are in a healthcare situation? Um, and then I started exploring, uh, talking with healthcare professionals, uh, you know, I think you and I have both interviewed the same neurosurgeon. Uh, I had a gastroenterologist, uh, gone menopause specialist. Uh, I have yet to produce their podcast, and that's going to go out the door sometime next week. But, but it just is kind of this. You know, I just kind of get really excited about. Well, who else can I talk to? And uh, again, I think for moderators, that's just. That's just something that that's in us. You know, how much more digging can we do? What's that little nugget that could help someone? Um, or, you know, from a standpoint of our 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 clients, we think, well, what's that one thing that a, a, a respondent might say that could drive 
a whole new solution uh, at the same time. So again, where this goes for me, Mike, I'm not really sure, but it's certainly something that I have a lot of passion for to, to keep putting out and uh, evolving and just getting better. Well, I mean, again, not to not to make this all about numbers, but you mentioned you know, 1,200 views on YouTube. I just want to put that in perspective. For a brand new channel, for a first episode, for an hour plus long interview, 1,200 views is pretty amazing. So I think that's something you should be very proud of. And that 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 starts getting you some subscribers. And, you know, unfortunately on YouTube, you need at least 1,000 subscribers and X amount of hours of, of viewing every month to, to make a little, you know, a little, uh, a little uh, cash yeah. from YouTube. But, but you're on your way to doing that. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, right now you're still very early in the game as, as, you know, as far as, you know, podcasting goes. So you may not know where it's going, but I think about it. And if I were, you know, if, if I didn't have a show and I'm thinking about putting a show together, I'd think about it this way too, which is, you know, this, this show that you have, this asset is, is just that it's one other asset in your arsenal. So a client, you know, coming to you might see a clip of something you did on LinkedIn or on YouTube. Uh -huh. And, and they might say, Hey, you know what? Uh, that, you know, I, I, I'd like to maybe consider, you know, getting a bid from this person. Now that may not have happened yet, but you're still very early on in the game for that. It's also a tool you can use for your own personal marketing. You know, when you're doing your outreach, when you're doing your prospecting, you know, to be able to say, Hey, you know, I'm Laura Nozika. I am a healthcare moderator, among other things. Um, you know, here is kind of um, my here. Here's my here's my pitch to you. And then, hey, if you want to know more, you know, check out my YouTube channel, Desperate for a Diagnosis. And you know, it's um, it's just something else. And if somebody's trying to decide between you and someone else, hey, this this person's a known commodity. I've seen their work. Um, that's how I started my show back in 2011. Um, you know, I had it, I had, you know, when I first went out on my own after leaving an agency, I had clients or prospective clients say, Hey, look, you sound good on paper, but we'd like to see an example of your work. So send me a tape. And I was, I was joking before, um, <laughs> before this call that, Hey, we used to have tapes, you know, there were VHS tapes right. <laughs> and, and, but you can't, you can't just do that. Right. And you mentioned it before, you can't just share work you did for, you know, one client to work you did with another. So I, I, I started sending people to the podcast and, and for me that worked. Um, now there were fewer podcasts in 2011 than there are in 2023, but, um, I, I do think the, uh, the technique works as well. And now with, you know, with a lot of AI out there that helps us with, you know, finding video clips and putting together our, our short, our shorts, as they call them in the biz, uh -huh. in the industry, uh, on on the, the socials, as the kids say, um, you know it it is our marketing can can only get better and better from from there. Yeah, yeah, it um it definitely is it, like you said. It's not just a, a plug and play by any means, but there have been plenty of times where clients have said, "Do you have anything that you could show me in terms of?" you in action, et cetera. And I think the only stuff I have, the only videos I have are of the capstone class or capstone, you know, 
I don't even know how to explain it. Capstone exercise, if you will, of moderating a focus group when I went to to Burke Institute, which is where <laughs> two rounds of moderator training, and and then you you go, you fly, and you've got fifty five minutes with a a group that they recruited on whatever topic you elected to to create your guide around, et cetera, and and you go, and so they they videoed that and then that was used as your critique etc um but that's really all i have and now since i i'm out of burke i don't know seven eight years now those are a little old even they look a little fuzzy (laughs) at this point too um older production techniques back then and it's it's just nice to be able to say well i have a podcast and what's been um great about it too is that it's been a, a conversation starter it's 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 i always i kind of like to put it on the level of like my other hobby as you know is is ballroom dance and so i could talk about when i wasn't working for myself when i was in corporate america and i'd be at some networking thing and i would say oh i'm lauren ozika i work for xyz healthcare system or whatever healthcare organization i was working for oh and something i do for fun is ballroom dance i got everyone's attention on eyeball room dance. No one really cared what I did for a living. So now when I say I have a podcast, I get, you know, people kind of stop and say, and tell me more. They're moderating me because they, <laughs> they want to learn more. So it's just been interesting. Or people who have maybe never engaged in any of my posts about the podcast, whether it's been on LinkedIn or Facebook, et cetera, um, They've come out right out and said, "Oh, I see you have a podcast." So it's kind of it's kind of interesting on who's watching you, but you may not know. So, well, I think the only logical next step for you is to create a podcast on ballroom dancing, because oh. um, I think that would be that would be money, as Vince Vaughn would say in Swingers. That would be money. A podcast, and it's an audio only podcast, so you don't see anybody dancing. It's just two people describing dancing. <laughs> on the podcast like an audio story about people ballroom dancing well and there are there are stories and there's plenty of drama and uh it's a it's definitely a a real thing but it but it has it has been nice uh in terms of meeting new clients because if you're if you are able to get out to the conferences it's great but some of us independents at times don't always have the the budget to get out there and and shake hands, rub elbows, however you like to re- reference that. But it's nice to be able then to <laughs> it's nice wine to, and dine. That's right. That's right. It's nice to be able to then kind of you know again show who you are in action. It's not just some Zoom meeting. Uh, you know, you've got that as kind of one more tool in the toolkit, as you said, in terms of 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 marketing. You know, I want to um, go back to to your days pre-podcast because I think the podcast is just one example of how innovative you are as as a thinker. And and I've always considered you to be like a hustler because you, you're always thinking of well, thank you. different angles for things. And I mean, hustler in a good way, well, not in like, I you know, know. There's a time Larry place for everything, Mike. Come on. <laughs> oh, boy. So, but, but I mean, just, can you give a little backstory as to how you fell into moderating in the first place? Because you, you know, you didn't come out of, you know, Riva as, or, or Burke as a, you know, 20, 30 year old, et cetera. 
you know, moderating wasn't necessarily your intended career path. So would you share with the audience just how you came into the qualitative field? Well, first of all, who's to say I'm still not 20 or 30? Come on, Michael. I mean, I mean, I, I, you look like you're maybe 24. Oh. Um, I've been told I need glasses, but you look maybe 24. Nice, nice backing it up there, Mike. Nice backing it up. Nice try. Nice try. Anyway, uh, well, thank you for asking that because it, it, I'm told that it's an, a unique story. I don't really know why, but I've had other market research folks say, how did you get from where you were to, to moderating? I, I don't think it's that much of a leap, but it, for others, it seems to be. Um, so I've spent a lot of my career in, in healthcare early on. I was in hospitality. I was in sales and marketing for restaurants and, and hotels. And the industry can be a little wobbly. And in my 20s, I, I did jump over to to healthcare, uh, healthcare sales, and then worked for a lot of the healthcare systems here in Chicago and in a marketing capacity, and uh, worked for other companies, health-related companies. I worked in patient recruitment for clinical trials. So it was all in a marketing, like I said, marketing capacity, but every job required the commissioning of market research. So it certainly wasn't unusual for me. But the first time I learned about qualitative was the first healthcare marketing job I ever had, again, with one of the healthcare systems here in Chicago. And I saw this moderator navigating this conversation at a facility, but navigating this conversation with cancer patients. And I'd never seen anything like that before. And I thought, how how does this happen that there's this room full of people, patients, as we would refer to them in that context, patients, cancer patients, no less, who have had a variety of different cancers. There's eight cancer patients in a room. And here's this stranger navigating this conversation. And of course, there's a business objective behind it. But I thought... <laughs> If that's a real job, I want to do that one day. And I was just so fascinated by the fact that one person can build a rapport so quickly with people, um, again, for the purposes of a business objective, to understand their journeys, to make their lives better, easier, et cetera. I think the objective was to understand why cancer patients would travel to find a surgeon but they were willing to get chemotherapy and radiation close to home. And I just, I, I don't know, at the time, not knowing much about qualitative, it just, it just blew my mind that you could actually talk to people in a room, strangers, learn about their journeys and make your business better, stronger, more meaningful, et cetera. And yes, of course, the goal is to, to grow business, but in a way, at least from a healthcare standpoint, is, is helping people. And so that's that's how I started learning about qualitative. And, and after that, every job, marketing job I ever had, there was some aspect of commissioning qualitative research um, in a variety of, of different ways. So it was just something that I felt from the standpoint of between my personality and my, my curiosity about people in general, um, I'd rather... This is awkward for me because you're asking me the questions because <laughs> I don't really enjoy talking about myself that much, but uh, I'd rather learn about other people and, and learn about them. But 
But yeah, that's that's how I, I learned about what even qualitative was. And over time, I would talk to the moderators and say, so how did you get into this? Uh, and they would they would tell me uh, about their own journeys and what it took to be a moderator. And I heard everything from you really need to be a you need to be a marketer. You know, mark people who are marketers do really well uh, in moderating because then you understand the next step. What's the strategy behind what's happening next? Others have more of a, you know, of a, of a background in, in research, something maybe more scientific, if you will, or psychology, uh, like, like yourself, but you also are, have a marketing background too. So, you know, that's, you just never know where you're going to, to fall in, in life. And that's kind of how I look at the podcast. I don't know where it'll go. It could lead to something, could lead to nothing out of, Nothing but self-satisfaction that, that I felt like I was doing something. But, but yeah, so it's, it's funny how, how I uh, moved into to moderating. And when I decided that leaving corporate America made sense, uh, that's what I did. And started networking. And uh, luckily, after networking for about a month, I had my first project moderating uh, a project on idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And oh, no, stop, stop, stop with that sexy talk. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But as, as we wrap up here, Laura, I want you to do something for me, sure. which is, you know, can we bridge your original career path of sort of hospitality and uh, life as a qualitative professional? Where do you see the overlaps? Or another way of asking the question would be, what have you learned in the hospitality space that translates well to life as a qualitative professional? Well, a lot of what we do in research is about experience, right? A lot of it comes down to experiential type of uh, understandings in, in the customer journey. So I learned a lot initially about customer experience in in hospitality. Again, I was in, in sales out of college. And prior to that, I worked in, I was a hostess in, in one of the hotel restaurants. Uh, I worked for the hotel Sofitel. And I also was the hotel operator uh, for the hotel Sofitel. Back then, they called us PBX operators because uh, we, you know, had to manage the whole, you know, one ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingy type of, type of systems. And we were programming uh, wake up calls for people who needed wake up calls. And, and it was in the voice of the pastry chef that was waking you up in the morning. Uh, it was all, you know, auto, auto program. But anyway, so it really was, um, really just from, from the standpoint of understanding of the customer experience, which I feel like that's, that's what it comes down to, uh, in so much of the market research that that we do so it really gave me a, a broader understanding of business uh, and what what drives customer loyalty perceptions brand loyalty etc and then i i got into the healthcare and people say how did you become a healthcare marketer and i said trust me you don't wake up one morning one morning and say i think i want to be a healthcare marketer and uh i've heard that with market researchers that a lot of people say that too i didn't wake up one day and say i want to be a a, a market researcher or a moderator you kind of just fall into it and uh that's that's how it happened that's my story that's your story and you're sticking to it. Now, that's a Jimmy Buffett song I just quoted, but a song that you um, inadvertently mentioned would be Operator by Jim Croce. 
well, look at that. And only you would pick up on that because you're like, <laughs> well, that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Laura, as we wrap up, I want to let our audience know, and I want you to let our audience know, I'm going to ask you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be more polite about it. Laura, will you please share with our audience how they can find more about you and the Desperate for a Diagnosis podcast? Well, I am certainly on LinkedIn, of course. And with regard to the podcast, I do have a podcast website. That was a whole other thing, trying to figure out podcast website and how that whole thing works. But it's uh, www.desperateforadiagnosis.com or I could be reached at Laura Marie at desperateforadiagnosis.com if anyone's uh, interested in asking any questions or if you have a story, I'd love to hear your story as well. Well, we will put all of your contact information there in our show notes so people can easily just tap on whatever podcast listening service they're using and, and see how they can get in touch with you. And I will share with our audience that if you like this interview, please like, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And please, if you want to see more or hear more of our QRCA podcast, uh, go to qrcaviews.org and click on the podcast tab. Laura, thank you so much for dropping by Conversations in Depth and letting us reveal your story. It was a pleasure, Mike, as always, Mr. Carlin. <laughs>